Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, there's a, a big turn in the calendar, a big turn in the energy uh, right now. And um, so it's, it's very, very positive, and so it's uh, just a cause to smile and to be happy, which is um, we've gone from the transition from the, what's called the three weeks um, to, uh, to Tuba Av, which is the 15th uh, day of the month of Av. And that is called by the Gomorrah, one of the two happiest days of the entire year. And, and so we've gone from, it's this dramatic turn, and it's just a reminder uh, for us just how quickly things can turn, and things, how quickly things can become positive. And, you know, it says that, um, that if you sow with tears, sow meaning plant, if you plant with tears, you'll reap with joy. So um, a lot of times, a lot of times the, the sadness and the tears themselves are just our effort and our expression of how much we care and how much we love. And then sometimes we see those things transformed into something beautiful. And so this is the, the greatest example of that because we're, for three weeks we're crying over all the destruction that's taken place. And, and let it be clear to you that Tishabav, the ninth of Av, which is, you know, um, marking all the horrendous things that have happened to the Jewish people over history, right? Let it, let it be clear that, that, that it's not just about the destructions of the base of Migdash. It's about all the pain in the world and all the suffering that exists in the world today. In other words, a lot of people, sometimes they have trouble relating to Tishabav. They don't know, what am, what am I supposed to be crying over, right? And of course, the famous words of the Kutzka Rebbe, that if you're not crying, you should be crying over the fact that you're not crying, right? So, so... <coughs> What we're, if, you, if you need an access point to really understand, like it just to use a fancy word, the modality of Tishabav, it's, it's that we're, we're, we're crying over the fact that, that there's any pain and suffering in the world at all, that there's any hardship in the world at all. Um, and then we see that level of caring just sort of like transform and manifest itself into the, 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 the beauty of Tuba'av. So again, Tuba'av is the 15th of the month of Av, and, um, and just, just some amazing historical events, and then we'll get deeper into it. Some amazing historical events is that basically the, the decree of wandering of 40 years in the desert that the Jews experienced after the very first Tishabav, which was when the spies brought back the bad report, and it was decreed that we should wander for 40 years in the desert, that 40-year decree ended on Tubab. They realized it ended on the 15th of Av. And so we were able to now go to the next stage. You know, a lot of us in our lives were like, I want to go to the next level. I, you know, I want to get to this next part of my life. So, you know, in terms of our national destiny, the next stage of our life was to, to go from Egypt into Israel. And now we were finally able to go into the next stage of our destiny. And that was marked by Tuba'av. And um, I heard that if you, if you, if you look at the, the letters Tuba'av and you just read it read it straight, it's Tov Av, right? So, so it's the good, the goodness of Av. And that's, that's, that, that's striking also. Um, you know, I, I want to talk about the, 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 the full moon of Av in a moment. Um, get into some sort of holy astrology in a moment. But before then, I just have to tell you something, just because it's, it's just so awesome, I think. Uh, from the B'nai Yisachar brings it. 
you know, we know that every that Hashem's holiest name, uh, the Yudke Vavke, right? This for the Tetragrammaton, the holiest name of God. That there are twelve permutations, twelve possible ways to arrange those those letters, and there's one uh, arrangement. It's called in Hebrew it's the Tsiruf. There's one Tsiruf for each of the twelve months of the year, corresponding to each of the twelve ways you can rearrange these letters. By the way, if, if for the mathematicians out there, normally speaking, you could rearrange a unit of four more than twelve different ways. But because there are two Hays, two of the same letters, there's only twelve ways. Just can just if you had that question. <laughs> but anyway, that aside. So um, we know that Hashem's name, this the, the, the this holy name, the Yudke Vavke, uh, represents the meat of Chesed, Rachamim. In other words, it's this quality of, of uh, kindness and, and compassion that, that God expresses. So it's, 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 it's appropriate that that should be his holiest name and most defining name because, of course, God is good. And this is, you know, you can't understand your life and you can't understand this world or history or anything unless you understand that premise that God is, in fact, good and that all he does is good. No, nothing will make sense to you in your own life or in this world unless you understand that fundamental truth. Um, in fact, just to go with that for another moment, you know, there, there's so many beautiful Torahs, deep, unbelievable Torahs, about, um, about the, the Haftorah for, for, um, for Tuba'ah, basically, because um, the Parsha of the Torah that we read after Tisha B'av, after the ninth of Av, every year is Parsha's V.S. Chana. And the Haftorah of Parsha's V.S. Chanan is, is famously Nachamu Nachamu Ami, which is, you know, uh, be comforted, be comforted, my people. And, and again, that, that, that shows on the, the shift in energy, that it goes from this, the, what, what, what we've had up until now, which are these, these Haftorahs, the words from the Prophet, which, is, which have been leading up to Tisha B'av, admonishing us and telling us to really, we've got to get our act together, right? And now you have this shift to Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. So all the Rebbes, all the Rebbes are asking, why this double repetition of the word Nachamu, to be comforted, right? It, to be comforted, that, that expresses the thought. God is speaking. He only has to speak once, right? But yet God himself is, 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 is doubling this word. Why? Why? So there's some beautiful, beautiful explanations. So I just heard in the name of the um, Piasesna Rebbe, the, the, the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto, Right, who's, who's writing this from, from the Warsaw Ghetto, you know, surrounded by Nazis, who, uh, you know, his, uh, his soul should be avenged, the, who eventually, you know, caused him to leave this world, you know. Um, I don't want to say they, they killed him, you know, physically they killed him. But look, you know, it says when you learn the Torah of someone, that their lips move in the grave. So he's very much alive, you know. But um, so when, so you can imagine the circumstances that he's writing these words, right? Not so simple. He says, "What does it mean? Comfort me, comfort me, right? That that Hashem is asking us to comfort Him. That God wants to be comforted. That in other words, that God suffers with us, right? It says that this is." A thousand percent of Jewish idea 
that when we're in Galus, when we're in exile, that the Shekhinah, that God's eminent presence, right, is, is with us and goes through what we go through, right? And I heard something so beautiful in the name of the Mojitzer Rebbe. Listen to this. That, you know, it says, um, again in the Gomorrah, it talks about a person who's um, like trying to catch a ship. Like in back in the day, that's like us running to the airport, like trying to catch a, an airplane for an important business deal, right? And he's with his friend and he's running to get to the place and he steps on a thorn and he, um, he can't walk. You know, he's like disabled basically from this. And so he misses the ship and he's crying because this was an important, this was an important uh, trip that he had to go on. And, um, and what happens? The, the ship sinks. And this was God saving his life, right? So, so one, before we get to the Mojitsa, one, one, one basic thing we can learn from this on a very practical level in terms of our own lives is that look at this moment that he's crying. See, a miracle is being performed for him, right? So, so normally speaking, we would think, wow, if, if only God would do a miracle for me, right? Then, but, and, and certainly if God would do a miracle for me, I would know that God is doing a miracle for me. But here you see God is, that, that often, probably the majority of times, maybe even the overwhelming majority of times, that God is doing miracles for us, we have no idea at the moment that God is doing a miracle for us. This is an amazing thought. This really deserves great contemplation because it shows you how out of sync we are with God's chesed, with God's kindness. And not only aren't we aware of it, we're actually angry at God. That at that moment, God, I thought I had to feed my family. This business trip, I, I, I had a, an opportunity over here. And you're stopping me from going on this opportunity? And what's happening at that moment? God is saving his life. God is saving his life. But now listen to what the Mojitzer said. So, so you would say, and he's crying. The Gemara says he's crying at that moment. So, 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 you know, if you weren't a Rebbe, if you weren't a Rebbe, you could say, oh, look, he's crying. You know, you know what I say about that guy? Fool! Fool! Right? Listen to the, what, what the Mojitzer says. When he's crying at that moment, God is also crying with him. Can you imagine? In other words, here, again, just to show you that the, the quantum, quantumly higher levels of compassion that God has for us than what we give him credit for. That at that moment, while God is saving this person's life, saving our life, and we're crying over the tragedy that we think is happening, God is not only not angry at us, God is crying with us. That, that God's levels of compassion are so great. Right? Can you imagine? This is, this is really unbelievable. And another, another commentary on the repetition of Nachamu, Nachamu. That the first, this is from a Rebbe, I don't know who said it. That the, that the first Nachamu goes on the idea that, you know something, be comforted because the pain that you're going through it's, it's really good for you in the end. 
In other words, if I know that I had to go through a hard time, but I'm also being told with definitive authority that, that this is really for my benefit, right? Like, for instance, if I'm recovering, you know, I shouldn't need it, but if I'm recovering from a surgery, and the pain after the surgery, but the doctor says, great news, you're good now, right? There was a problem, but you're good now. Even though it's very painful for me, the, the recovery from the surgery, I feel good because I know that that pain was, was for my benefit and, and it's all good, right? Okay, that's the first level of Nachamu. That's the first level of comfort. Hashem reassuring us that anything that we've gone through is ultimately for our benefit, right? But now listen to this. That's not the point of this teaching. This, this next part is. But what's the second Nachamu then, right? The second Nachamu, the second be comforted, is God saying to us, but still I'm so sorry you had to go through it. Right? Again, phenomenal, phenomenal levels of love and compassion from God. So, so again, all of this is, is showing on this tremendous shift that's going on in terms of the energy of the year that we're leaving the three weeks, which is like open bitterness and hardship and suffering and disaster, outright disaster, and heading into this place, which is, which is really a place of being comforted. And now all of the Haftarahs, all the words of the prophets, from now to Rosh Hashanah, are all going to be God reassuring us and comforting us. And also, this is something I learned it from Rabbi Wolfson, Shlita, and he he says that, and very interesting, uh, I won't go through all the sources, but um, just take it at face value, that now that we've hit the 15th of Av, we're already within the Bechina of Elul now. Okay? In other words, the energy of Elul, and everybody knows Elul is Ani Ludodi Vedodi Li, right? I am my beloved's and my beloved's mine. In other words, that's when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the second luchos, right? And, um, and uh, the second tablets, and, and it shows on the forgiveness of the golden calf, and everything like that, and it's, it's the preparation for the new year for Rosh Hashanah. All of that energy, so to speak, is beginning now, is beginning with Tubav. All right? And, and to give you just one support, one very clear support, is that... When did Moshe Rabbeinu go up to the top of Mount Sinai to get the second tablets? That was on the first of Elul, Rosh Chodesh Elul. What parsha are we reading on Tuba'av, right? Parsha's Yeschanan is the second repetition of receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai, right? So here you see the tuba, here you see the Elul energy very clearly is starting right now. So if you want to start davening for a good New Year. Right? Be first in line. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it right now. And I'll tell you something else, you know. Give you another support for this. I, I never really understood it until really right this second. Or understood maybe it a little better. Let, let me put it that way. So the um the Binaya Saskar says that the mazel of Av is the which, you know, we we would translate it in English as the zodiac sign. Avad, but the Torah has its own system of understanding the cosmos, is, is the lion, right? So it says in the Gomorrah, in a completely different context, it's talking to men and addressing men's uh, 
yetzaharas, men's desires. And it says regarding that, that it's better for uh, a man to walk behind a lion than a woman. Meaning to say, if a man is walking behind a woman, that he's going to start to stare and his imagination is, is going to uh, lead him astray. So better to, to walk behind a lion. That's what the Gemara says. So how does the B'nai Yisaskar understand that? He says, what is the mazel of Elul? Is the basula, right? It's the, what we would say, the virgin, the Virgo the virgin, right? That's already, the, that's the sign of Elul, right? Or, so, so, so now the B'nai Yisaskar interprets the Gemara on a very deep level. He says, what does it mean better to walk behind a lion than a woman? He's saying better to begin your tshuva for the new year, your preparation for Rosh Hashanah in the month of the lion in Av, than to wait till El. <laughs> and, and here now you see why it's very appropriate because you see that the energy of El is already starting now. So in other words, now when you understand that, that, that the gates are already open on a deeper level, then go right now. Do it right now. Um, so, you know, up until now, the way I understand, I, I would only remember that that, uh, that Torah from the B'nai Asaskar, usually on the last day of Av. <laughs> I'd say, okay, so it's still Av, so let me try right now. But I didn't understand that, with the, with, that until now, what he's talking about is that, that right now it's Elul. In Av already it's Elul. Okay, so, <clears throat> all right, now, now, oh, I was going to tell you that Siraf, so let's go back to that. We'll finish that up and we'll get into something, a very cool, uh, very cool idea, I think. So, so what's the, so, so we were saying that the, the Yudke Vavke, this holiest name of God, right, the, the, the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of Hashem, this shows on Hashem's compassion. So what's the arrangement, what's the Siraf, the permutation, for Tammuz, because remember, Tammuz and Av are like sister months, right? Because the three weeks, they start in Tammuz and then they culminate in Av, right? So it's like one unit, okay? And so, um, so the Tziruf, the, the permutation of Hashem's name for Tammuz, fascinatingly, is the Yudke Vavke backwards. Right? And so, so that shows on din, that shows on judgment. Because you see that this name of compassion is reversed, it's backwards. And so we see that Tammuz has that aspect of din, of judgment. And of course, that's the, be, the, the beginning, the, the bulk of the three weeks is in Tammuz. Right? Remember the. Um, so, then, so then, let's move to Av. So we know the first part of Av. Is, is, is basically the same as Tammuz, right? In fact, you can argue it's even more intense than Tammuz, but it's the same energy as, as the three weeks of Tammuz, right? Which is the backwards name of Hashem. And then we see on the 15th of Av, everything flips around and reverses, right? And it becomes positive. Now, with that in mind, the Mineas Oscar says, look at the Tziruf of the month of Av. So it goes like this. It's vav and yud Okay, so vav hey, I'm sorry, let me do that again. Hey vav, and then yud hey. So hey vav 
is already the yud k vav k going backwards, right? Right. Hey vav is the four-letter name of Hashem. The last two letters going in reverse. So again, that shows on the din of the month of Av, the judgment of the month of Av, which is part and parcel of the whole name of Hashem going backwards in Tammuz, right? But then what's the next two letters? Yud and He, which is going in the forward direction. And what does Yud and He add up to in Gematria? 15, which is the 15th of the month of Av, is when the energy reverses and becomes rectified and becomes very positive and very high again, right? Because that's the highest, right? That's the yud and the hay is like, like the beginning, the highest aspects of Hashem's name, right? So, so there you see the whole personality in terms of energy, in terms of din and rachmim. All of this is expressed in the tzirif, the permutation of Hashem's name for Av. Um, okay, so now let's go, let's go now to the next step from this, okay? So this is something very cool, Torah astrology, if you will, um, or just understanding of how the planets work, right? So, so we have a concept, which is that every single month has a different personality. And we've been talking about that. We haven't said it directly yet, but we've been talking about it. That's why each month has a different combination of Hashem's name, right? Each month has a different tribe that it's associated with. Each month has a different aspect that needs fixing, right? Av is hearing, by the way. Um, and uh, each month has a different letter associated with it, has different parshas that almost always occur during it. All these different things, right? Um, so, so when does the fullness of the personality of a month express itself? So if you had asked me a while back, I would have told you Rosh Chodesh, the, f- the first of the month. That, that would have been my answer, because usually you see that the beginning of something is really like, you can that's where the DNA is, right? And sometimes that's true. That is often true. That is often true. Like by Rosh Hashanah, for instance, this is probably the greatest example of that. Like Rosh Hashanah is so important because it's the first day of the year, and that's, gonna, that's going to define the year. Right? But by the months we say it's something different. It's not the case. It's not Rosh Chodesh. It's not what I had thought. It's actually the full moon of the month is the greatest expression of the personality of the month. So in other words, the headquarters of the month, so to speak, is the full moon of the month, is the 15th of the month. Interesting. Interesting, you know. Um, you know, with that in mind, I'll just say something just say an aside before we go back to the full moon of full moon of Av, because that's the subject right now. We're going to talk about the full moon of Av, which is of course the 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 fifteenth. We've been talking about the fifteenth, the Yud and the He of Av, right? So the full moon of Av. What's so great about this? But just pause for one moment. You know the full moon of Tishrei. Like when you think of Tishrei, like my mind goes to Rosh Hashanah. Then. Next stop, I would say, is Yom Kippur. <laughs> and then next stop, I would say, is Sukkot. But I would say Sukkot is definitely third on the list when my mind goes to Tishrei. You know, first you got to get through Rosh Hashanah. Each one of these things is like a 
full-on battle, you know what I mean? You've got to like marshal like every fiber of your being for each one of these appointments, you know? So by the time you get to Sukkot, you're like, oh, thank God, you know? <laughs> but based on what we're saying, it's very interesting because, because when is Sukkot? Sukkot is the 15th of the month of, of Tishra. In other words, what is God saying to us? all during Sukkot. I just want you to live with me. <laughs> right? What, what, is, what does it mean to sit in a Sukkah? Right? And I heard this now going back to the Ari. It sounds like a Rav Shlomo Torah, but I heard it in the name of the Ari. That when you sit in the Sukkah, that's, that's God, Hashem is hugging you. That's God's embrace. So now, if you start with that, if you say, okay, the, the defining quality of the month is the full moon of the month. That would be the defining quality then, by extension, of Tishrei is Sukkot. So in other words, everything falls under the category of God's embrace, of God reaching out to us in love, God wanting to live with us in joy and peace. So now, let me re-examine my previous conception about Rosh Hashanah. In other words, whatever judgment is coming down on Rosh Hashanah, it's only as an expression of what God wants to me, God wants for me from the standpoint of love. Right? It has to be. It has to be. Because it's because it's just it just it follows. Okay. And of course we've got a Reb Shlomo would say that, you know, that 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 the first thing you have to understand on, 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 on Rosh Hashanah is the one who's judging you is the one who loves you the most. And now we see, now we see the logic of that worked out in a very nice way. Um, okay, so let's go further. Let's go back to the full moon of Av because, because the Lubavitcher Rebbe says in the Hayom Yom, so there's a book called Hayom Yom, and I recommend it. It's something that everyone should have in their library. And you can get it. it it's, they have a, it in English also. It's an English Hebrew edition. And what it is, is it's, um, it goes through the entire year. And it gives you just a little paragraph, some, a deep thought for every day of the year. And, and with some sources from the Tanya and Zohar and different places. And so one of the things that it says regarding Av, is that, um, that, that while we know that the full moon of every month is the greatest expression of the personality of that month, which month of all of the months of the year is the full moon the greatest example of this principle, that the full moon is the greatest example of the personality of the month? <laughs> Hopefully that was clear. In other words, which full moon is the most full moon of the whole year? Okay? And the Lubavitcher Rebbe brings, it's the full moon of Av. Okay, in other words, Tuba Av is the greatest full moon of all the full moons of the year. All right, now listen to this. Why? Why? So he brings an explanation. It's a fascinating, fascinating explanation. And then you'll see it's even more special because of something that happened this year. Which is um, that... We, we have different paradigms for what the sun stands for, um, but, but there certainly is a very uh, uh, 
famous paradigm in, in, in understanding Torah, that the sun represents the nations of the world and the moon represents the Jewish people. So the, the simple explanation about the moon representing us is that it waxes and it wanes. And so historically speaking, the Jewish people have had its ups and downs, goes up and down. And, and the full moon actually represents really like Mashiach. In fact, like the greatest line, uh, as to my understanding, of Kiddush Lavana is when we, remember, we only pray Kiddush Lavana, which is translated as the sanctification of the moon. We're not praying to the moon. By the way, a very important halacha, which is when you do Kiddush Lavana, which is this prayer regarding the moon, you face east, you don't face the moon. So that people shouldn't think you're praying to the moon, right? So you face east. Um, that's not widely known. So I'm always like, everyone face east. <laughs> that's like one of the things I always say. But anyway, um, so so there's a line in Kiddush Lavana which 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 where we ask Hashem to fill the flaw in the moon. Now remember, in order the, there's only a certain time of the month where you're allowed to say Kiddush Lavana, and it has to be. According to um, Nusach Ashkenaz, three days into the new moon. According to Nusach Sfard, seven days into the new moon, right? But you can't, after the moon is already full, you can't say it. You have to say it before there's a full moon. In other words, you have to say it while the moon is getting larger. Okay? And so what's this prayer? To fill the flaw in the moon. In other words... The moon isn't full yet, so we're asking God, give us a full moon. So what does that mean? Like, do we really, what do we need a full moon for? Like, you know, whatever moon you got, God, that's good for me. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm not that invested, you know? Because we're praying for Mashiach, that's the whole point. The full moon represents Mashiach. That's, that's what, that's, that's, you know, oftentimes the prayers are encoded. That's, that's what the code means. It's, it's a prayer for Mashiach. Um, so, so again, the moon represents the Jewish people and the sun represents the nations of the world. Now, what's so great about the full moon of Av? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the Hayom Yom explains that in Av, by the full moon of Av, the days, remember the sun represents daylight, the days start getting shorter. In other words, the strength of the sun is diminishing. Do you understand? So, so you have two things going on simultaneously. Remember, the, the moon represents the Jewish people. You have the full moon of Av, the fullness of the moon of Av. At the time that the days are getting shorter, meaning that the sun's power, so to speak, is weakening. So this is, this is why the full moon of Av, on one level, is the greatest of the full moons. Now, what's so special about this year is that the full moon of Av was a blue moon. Now, what is that? You know, in, in, in vernacular we say, uh, you know, this is always the case, it's always the case. But once in a blue moon, meaning to say, like, in very rare occurrences, 
right? So a blue moon actually has a, uh, a scientific explanation, even though mostly you hear it in conversation. It's when you have two full moons in one month. And it doesn't happen like in, like in August, right? Like now we're, we're or within a 30-day period or whatever it is, where you have two full moons. It, it almost never happens. But it happened with the full moon of Av. The full moon of Av was a blue moon. So, so just to, so it's just, it was just special that here you see that the full moon of Av is called the greatest of the, all the full moons. And this year it was a blue moon, which makes it even more spectacular and impressive. But just to, just to explain it a little bit further, just so you understand, you can't have, if you have a lunar calendar, you can't have any blue moons in a, in a lunar calendar. Because in other words, the whole lunar calendar, it begins when there's, when the moon is invisible, and then it ends when the moon is invisible, right? It goes from not visible to full moon to not visible at all. So within that spectrum, you can't have two full moons. Do you understand? So within the Torah calendar, the blue moon never happens. It can't happen, right? Just based on the, the lunar calendar, right? It can only happen within a solar calendar, <laughs> where it's based on the sun. If, it, if the month is based on the sun, then you can have two full moons. So, so, so the point that I'm trying to say is, is that if the greatness of what the Lubavitcher Rebbe is saying, if, if the greatness of the full moon of Av is that it's coming at a time when the sun's power is weakening, if you have not one moon, but two moons happening vis-a-vis -vis the sun, and the second one, which is the rare one, is the full moon of Av. That's, that's an even more dramatic illustration of the point. I, I, I hope that was clear. I'm not going to explain it any further. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, so let's go further. Let's go further. <clears throat> Just maybe... Um, start to wrap it up now, which is, which is, we're in Parshas V'yashana, and there's a, a classic Torah, and I can't, can't go through Parshas V'yashana without sharing it with you, um, and as Reb Shlomo would say, you know, if you've heard it, it's, it's always good to hear again, which is, it's from Reb Leibla Eger, uh, who, you know, we know is, uh, you know, one of the great Hasidic Rebbe's, you know, basically the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he was best friends in the world with Reb Tzadik HaKoyin, and uh, he was a, a chassid of the, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, and before that of the, of the Kutzka Rebbe. And, um, you know, I heard from Rabbi uh, Moshe Weinberger that, that, that in front of the base Medrash, where Reb Leibla Eger and Reb Tzadik Hakain, you know, two of the, you know, just shining stars of the Jewish people, where they would learn that they would walk outside the base medrash, and they would hold on to each other's gartel. You know, the gartel is the the belt, that that satin or silk belt that that you wear with your kapota, that Hasidic in the Hasidic garb. That's the belt on the outside. And it's very long. You have to wrap it around your waist many times. So it's a very long belt. 
So one would hold the the end of the gartel of, 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 of ones and the other would hold the, the end of the gartel of the other and they would walk back and forth learning Torah together. You know? You know, if you can just imagine such a thing. Reb Tzadak HaKon, Reb you know, walking back and forth, holding each other's gartels, learning Torah. You know, it's a... It's an incredible, just an incredible image. So, so Reb Labela Eger points out something very, very beautiful and, and, and empowering. He says, look, he says, after, after Moshe Rabbeinu smashed the luchos, the tablets, by the sin of the golden calf, the Jewish people had a crisis. Because the first commandment on the luchos, on the tablets, says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, your God. And so the Jewish people wondered when the tablets were smashed after the golden calf, is God still our God? And then we got the second luchos, the second tablets, which said the exact same thing as the first tablets. And the second luchos begin with the exact same words, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, your God. And so the Jewish people were consoled. They realized God's still our God. Right? No matter what, God's still our God. And there are nations of the world who want to tell us God's not still your God. But they're wrong. God is still our God. God himself has promised us that he's never, ever, ever, ever going to break the covenant with us. And those people who say, oh, it's broken. God changed his mind, whatever it is. As it says in the Torah itself, God is not a man. God does not change his mind. Right? These words are true forever. So, so um, Rabbi Leibla Eger points out something very beautiful based on this, which is that Parsha's V'yes Chanan, where we have the second repetition of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, that's like the second Luchos, right? That's like the second tablets. And we're always getting them. We're always reading Parsha's V'yes Chanan after Tisha B'av. So he says, after Tisha B'av, and all the horrible things that have happened throughout history on Tisha B'av, the Jewish people could have that same crisis. They could say, is Hashem still our God? Right? And then you have immediately, the first Shabbos after Tisha B'av, we get the Luchos again that says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God your God. <laughs> which is to tell us, which is to tell us just on the macro level, in other words, we experience that around the, on either side of the golden calf, but now Rebbe Lebele Eger is telling us that God is giving us that same comfort and that same experience on either side of all the tragedies of history, that God is still our God. And that we have to know that on a personal level also, that we all go through our ups and downs and, and we go through hardships and, and we can even wonder, does God, even though I exist, is God still with me? And so this is the reminder, Anochi Hashem I am God, your God, that God never leaves us ever for, for a second, you know? All right, um, we'll stop there. Yeah. So just, just to finish with uh, one last point. You know, it's, a, it's really, it's a very long Hasidic story. I'm, I'm not going to tell it to you. I'm just going to tell you the very, very end of it, which is, um, I heard it from Rip Shlomo. And he said, by this story, you know, you have to, if you tell this story, <clears throat> you have to hold the person's hand that you're telling it to. 
So, so this is the end of the story. Rebeli Melech says to the Chos of Lublin regarding regarding uh, someone who uh, was in a lot of trouble and who was going to get killed, right? And he almost got killed. The Chos of Lublin told this person, this Jew, you're going to get killed, right? Like some, or not that you're going to get killed, but you know you have to hide because something horrible is about to happen to you, right? And and uh, and it did happen to him. He was beaten within an inch of his life. But Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk told him that you know something great is going to happen to you. And when he heard that, he was so mad because it seemed like that's the last thing that possibly could happen. And. Um, and it turns out Rabbi Elimelech of Lugensk was right. He became very rich. He survived and he became very, very rich. And they went back to thank Rabbi Elimelech of Lugensk. You know, because they felt, because it was really the advice that he had given, which, which came, which, which, which they did, and which yielded something phenomenal for them, and a big turn for them. So anyway, here's the point. This is what I'm trying to tell you. So Rabbi Elimelech of Lugensk, who, who had given the positive advice, the optimistic advice, right, which seems so impossible at the time that anything good could come out of this situation, says to the Chos of Lublin, who is one of his Talmidim, one of his students, and the Chos of Lublin said, you know, really, you got to hide because something horrible is going to happen. And the Chos of Lublin was also right, right? So Rabbi Elimelech of Luzhensk says to the Chos of Lublin, you saw far, but I saw farther. You saw the bad time that was coming, but I saw the good time after the bad time. Right? So this is, this is an essential, essential teaching. And especially as we move from Tishabav to Tuba'av, right? This big shift in the calendar, and in our own lives, and in the history of the world, you always, always, always have to remember the words of Rabbi Elimelech of Luzhensk to the Chos of Lublin. You saw far, but I saw farther. You saw the bad time, but I saw the good time after the bad time.